Come out, come out, wherever you are, little onions. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Something's wrong with Dakota Fanning. Oh, man. You're, <laughs> you're not kidding. Oh, do you remember the trailer process for this? You remember when this movie was coming out? Yeah, I do. I was nine. I know. Oh, and this spooky little girl. I know. She's not blonde anymore. No, she's actually wearing a wig. Yeah, I know. You only ever see Dakota Fanning being the cute little blonde girl she is in all those movies. And then, nope, nope. Not the same to go to Fanning. Something's wrong. Oh, no. We're going to talk about her eye acting later, like a couple of times. This little adult. I'm telling <laughs> you what. This Macaulay of a Culkin. This Macaulay of a Culkin. This Mara of a Wilson. <laughs> this Dakota of a Fanning. Like, Let's get into it. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where are we see? Oh, we see. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2005 psychological thriller, Hide and Seek. Oh, Seek and Hide. Mm. Uh, Guys, it's going to be heavy today. Um, It's going to be a lot, and it's going to be a little spooky. So, And it's going to be a little trigger-inducing. Bear with us. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to try and hold your hands through this. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Provided that by the time this episode airs, we're not all paying for it at that point. I won't pay for it, and we don't expect you to either. We'll go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. We'll get an Instagram. We'll go. I don't want to go back to Facebook. <laughs> but Instagram and Facebook are both meta, so I yeah. guess it doesn't matter at this point. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and and not an ampersand. <laughs> I like this joke. And please, folks, remember, while you still can, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Re rate, review, retweet. Don't pay for it. No, seriously, guys, please. Bankrupt Elon. Have you ever seen a man so insistent on self-destruction? Wait, of course you have. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of human history. I mean, you know what? <laughs> I don't care. As long as he is in turmoil, not being able to take care of any of those thousand children he's got. Oh, my God. That's all on the mothers, isn't it? Aww. And I ladies, I hope you're all having a good time. <laughs> Draining that bank account. I hope that you're getting plenty of what you're due. All right, without any further Elon smashing. There really is some wrong. <laughs> I know. Th that is the thing I most palpably remember about this movie. <laughs> is that, you know, throughout the film... You're not exactly sure until you're sure. And even then, we're going to be slightly confused by the ending, and we're going to talk a lot about the ending. Oh, my God. We're going to move upstate, the country. What about Emily? This is a traumatic time for her. I think it's important she stays here and works through this. Oh, here she's flooded with memories. But right now, I need to be a full-time dad. It's going to be a real treat having both of you here. I didn't even realize anyone else lived up here. Well, it does get pretty quiet in the off-season. I have a new friend. A new friend? He told me to call him Charlie. When did you meet Charlie? Today. When we went to town? It was before that. Is he... here right now? Why would you do this? It was Charlie. It's not unusual for a child to create imaginary friends. I don't want to be too forward, but I don't notice a lot of kids around, and I'm trying to find other kids to have play dates with Emily. 
Do you like her, Daddy? Emily. Charlie says you do. Stop this. Did Daddy tell you about my mommy? Let's hope you don't wind up like her. You know, Charlie doesn't exist. You shouldn't say that. Why not? You're gonna make him mad. Do you like games? I love games. Would you like to play one? I'm already playing. Charlie did it. You do believe me, don't you, Daddy? Neighbor called, said there was a problem. What you drawing there? You. Director here this week is John Paulson. Mm-hmm. He directed five episodes of Law and Order: Organized Crime. Really? I know. I don't know which five. <laughs> no, it's but okay. I knew you'd like that. Um, he's directed episodes of The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead. Where's Mad Men Two? <laughs> Again, I'm mad about this AMC. He directed The Mentalist, or, well, episodes of The Mentalist. He's mostly a television director, which is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. He hasn't done a whole lot of movies. Written by Ari Schlossberg. Don't know a lot about Ari, but what a script. Yeah. I mean, I did, good job. Like you, you, you did a good one here. And th- that's the thing. I just remember when this movie was coming to theaters as a frightened little nine-year-old. <laughs> and like I'd seen Dakota Fanning and things. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think Uptown Girls is what I most keenly knew her fr- from because you were 13. Yeah. When, I love uh, that movie. Y- yeah. And, <laughs> and I remember seeing her face in these ads on TV for hide and seek. And I was just like, yeah, there were spooky trailers, and obviously you listened to it at the beginning, but like, I just remember being like, mm, I don't know. I don't like that. It's going to be scary. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly don't think I went to the theater no. to see it. I actually remember how we saw this movie for the first time. Was it ripped? It was. Uh, he, dad ripped it for the, from the internet for Yeah, us. dad got it from like LimeWire. Yeah. Remember when LimeWire was a thing? I, All of the movies we saw for the first time from a LimeWire file. like Streaming has ruined the world. Lilo and Stitch and Spider-Man and this movie. All the things you could get for free. Oh my God. And then they paywalled all of it <laughs> god damn it but like back back to the subject at hand i think it's i think it's well written and some people would describe this as you know kind of Shyamalan-esque. Yeah. It's got, I, it just it's does. Just better. It, but yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, did Shyamalan write this? No. no. <laughs> but you wish he would have in order no. to get at least one thing right, you the, know? The like disappointed look on Ross's face just now. It was so funny. I was like, it, it just smacks of Shyamalan, but it isn't. It isn't. Because uh, as many, you can give Shyamalan, you can give Shyamalan all the pieces, <laughs> but you can't make him put it together. Oh, no. He's cutting the pieces with scissors yeah. so they'll fit together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
You know what? Funnily enough, not a Halloween movie. Yep. Nope. That was like, what, January of 2005? It came out in January. Yeah. Yeah, like, I know. God. They, they do that, though. Sometimes they'll stick a horror movie at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Anxiety. Critically, the film isn't much to write home about, apparently, but <laughs> the, the performances of both Robert De Niro and Dakota Fanning are very well regarded. Pretty choice, if you ask me. I mean, they do both do a fan fantastic job and oh this movie terrified me the first time i saw it <sighs> folks you folks you, you might have guessed it but we we've got names <laughs> and um got some fun ones please welcome him back to kicking and streaming mr robert de niro he is portraying dr david calloway here um and he was with us when we covered Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, shit! Because he's quite literally Frankenstein's monster. Ross, I forgot! How could I forget? How could we have forgotten? That was earlier this year! We lost our minds about that! <laughs> it was literally back in February we had him, yeah. Oh, wow! I know, I he know. Just, he disappears in that role, man. Robert De Niro is a name that you hear. <laughs> In Hollywood and in big entertainment. And in Tribeca. He's got two Oscars. Yeah. He's got a Cecil B. DeMille Award. Yeah. He's got the Kennedy Center Honors. He's got a Presidential Medal of Freedom. Oh, criminy. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) No, Robert's been in so many things. He's known for his Scorsese collabs, you know? Yeah, I mean, God. He's, God damn it, he trained with Lee Strasberg. We have talked about Strasberg before. At the actor's studio. He's Vito Corleone. Yeah. From Francis Ford Coppola's epic The Godfather Saga. Cape Fear. Oh, I love Cape Fear. (laughs) Silver Linings Playbook. I forgot he was in that movie. Meet the Parents. The 1990 Godzilla. Oh, God. Oh, A Bronx Tale. Ooh. Bronx Tale is one of those movies I love that I've never seen. Really? Yeah. I kind of know what you mean by that. Exactly. Exactly. He was Bernie Madoff in The Wizard of Lies. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's it's De Niro, guys. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Are you talking to me? That's where it comes from, guys. It's Taxi. Taxi Driver. No, I can't remember either. It's Taxi Driver. Taxi and Taxi Driver it's are two very different Taxi Driver from 1976. Yeah, Taxi and Taxi Driver are two very different things. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Portraying uh, Dr. Calloway's daughter, Emily Calloway, we have Dakota Fanning. Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. She was with us when we did... War of the Worlds. Yeah. That's what it was that I couldn't remember. Yeah. War of the Worlds. We did that for birthday month. Yes, we did. Yeah. Like two years ago or something. With all the aliens. She voices fucking Coraline. Yeah. She's, you know, obviously Uptown Girls. Uh, Cat in the Hat. How could I forget? Cat in the Hat. It was Cat in the Hat, War of the Worlds, and Uptown Girls. That's the, like that slew of movies that came out. She's that uh, really evil vampire from the Twilight Saga. I believe you. Jane or whatever her name is. I can't remember. Uh, Secret Life of Bee. He's portraying Dr. Catherine Carson, Emily's psychiatrist. Um, we have Famke Janssen. Ooh, I love her, actually, because you know what she's in. Dutch actress Famke Janssen. Um, I do know what she's in, and hold on. Oh, come on. Please welcome her to Kicking and Streaming. <laughs> she's Jean Grey, or Phoenix, from X-Men. Yep. She's Xenia on a top. That's a fun last name. Um, guys, she's Lenore Mills from the Taken Saga. Mm-hmm. And Carrie loves that she is Annalise Keating's lover from How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> Portraying Elizabeth Young is Elizabeth Shue. Oh, really? Please welcome her to Kicking and Streaming. Why do I know that name? Karate Kid. Oh, okay. Back to the Future. 
part two and three. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I know. I think she might have been uh, Marty McFly's, like... Gal Friday? Yeah, or whatever. I don't know how Goyle friend? Uh, she was on CSI, babysitting. Oh, the boys. And she was in Cobra Kai. Portraying Allison Calloway, Emily's mother. <laughs> we have Amy Irving. Amy Irving. We're actually welcoming her back to kicking and streaming. Are we? She's somebody's singing voice. <gasps> She's Jessica Rabbit's singing voice. She certainly is. Yeah. That's right. That was earlier this year. Uh-huh. I forgot. I'm sorry. Welcome back, Amy. And some of you might know her from one of my favorite horror movies, Carrie. She's the nice girl in Carrie. She's in Yentl. Yeah, she sure is. She's in the original production of Amadeus on Broadway. <gasps> no. Tell me, who she play? Was it Constanza? Yes. Oh my god! Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. what I wouldn't have given. What's with you? Oh my god. <laughs> I can't, listen to me. Was, I say that to you, but... Well, that original production, you can't find it anymore. Nobody ever bothered to tape it or record it. Like, ugh. Portraying the nosy Sheriff Hafferty, we have Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker's one of those faces you just see in movies. You I know, know that guy. Like, yeah. I've seen that guy in things. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 13 Days, Revolutionary Road, Selma. He plays a lot of racist white men. He does. You know, um, he's in uh, the he's in Homeland, The Americans, The Good Wife. I know um, him from Along Came a Spider. He's Vice President Collier in Political Animals. There it is. With Sigourney Weaver. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> You're not, but continue. I believe he's also a cabinet member in the West Wing. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. Portraying Laura in a very bit role for Melissa Leo. Please welcome Melissa Leo. Who is Melissa Leo? Please welcome her to Kicking and Streaming. Who is Melissa Leo? Yeah. Melissa Leo's Melissa Leo. Okay. She's a great actress. Okay, thank you. Can you give me some examples? Um. Okay. Oh, she's in flight with Denzel oh, Washington. Okay. She was in that Lee Daniels movie, The Butler. Oh, yeah. But they cut her out of the movie entirely. Oh, dear. She was Mamie Eisenhower to Robin Williams' Dwight D. Eisenhower. I'm sorry. Robin Williams is Eisenhower in The Butler, and he does a great job. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do that movie. Yeah. It's a good one. I remember going to the theater to see that one. She's in Olympus Has Fallen, <laughs> which, I'm sorry, you can come for me as long as you want. I love Olympus Has Fallen. And its sister film, White House Down, or whatever the hell that's called. She's not in that. <laughs> I know, but they're the same movie. Uh, she's in Snowden. She's been on her fair share of, you guessed it. Law and Order. <laughs> My goodness. Yep. I, I just, I do love me some Melissa Leo. And speaking of Law and Order. Portraying Laura's husband, Stephen, is Robert John Burke. <laughs> who is Ed Tucker from Law and Order Special Victims Unit. He works with IAB. Yeah, he's the cunt that's always investigating, but then becomes a central tenant character and yeah. like ends and, in a really horrible way from what I hear. Yeah, he and Olivia have a thing and then he gets sick and it ends badly. Yeah. Um, but no, I hate how throughout my entire life I was conditioned by Law & Order to think that IAB is the bad guys when they hold bad cops accountable. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just, Mm. He's Bart Bass from Gossip Girl. Yeah. Go, Piss Girl. Go, Piss Girl. Go. <laughs> also, RoboCop 3. Nice to have you, Bob. <laughs> All right, guys. We have to get into the content. We begin in Manhattan, right? New York City mm -hmm. with the Calloway family. We've got Dad David. He's a psychologist. He's a doctorate of psychology. Uh, his wife, Allison, and their daughter, Emily. And uh, this is the first day of the new year. Yeah, like, 
this, oh wait, really? This well, is New Year's Day? The on-screen text at the beginning of the film. Oh, says, I missed that. First day of the new year, I'm, New York City. I'm off to a bad start. Well, I had it. <laughs> I had it in my notes. Okay, so, all yeah. right. Yeah, Simmer so down. methodical over there, you know. <laughs> and we see Allison going to tuck Emily in for the night. With a small game of hide and seek. Yeah, <laughs> she's pretending, she's doing that thing that parents do, where they pretend not to know their child is that wiggling lump under the covers. Yeah, and you know, things seem kind of rosy between mother and daughter, don't they? Yeah, they're really close. Like, they have this own little relationship that is obviously special. (laughs) Did you know where I was? Not a clue. (laughs) You want Alex? What is it? I love you more than anything else in the world. You know that, don't you? Something hesitant in the time she told her this time. Yeah. You know, it's like... Something mm. about the way she said it. When she goes to shut her bedroom door. She has to leave the door open a crack because she's afraid of the dark. She needs the light. She needs the light, yeah. Which we were nightlight kids. We were not door open a crack kids. Carrie. Yeah? The sheer thrill of running from the bedroom door and hopping into bed. Yeah, so, so that, that whatever's under, under the bed, bed doesn't grab me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, gotta have that light on too, because you know, the light <laughs> keeps them at bay. <laughs> oh my God. Things are not so rosy between husband and wife, however. Oh no, they're distant. They're not really talking to each other. Like you can tell that like this new year is not off to a great start for them. <laughs> you coming to bed? In a little while. Something you want to talk about? Some things are beyond therapy, David. (laughs) Oh, okay, Allison. All right, we're not feeling good about this, are we? (laughs) This relationship is going super well. And guys, this is where we have to issue our first trigger warning. Yeah, um... Because this goes south fast. Allison goes to take a bath while David goes to bed. And, like, in David's sleep, that's where we see that first weird flash, right? He has this recurring dream as we go forward. It's that first little flash of what seemingly looks to be a party. And since we've just been told it's New Year's Day... It's probably the New Year's Eve party they were at last night. David wakes up at 2.06 in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. This will be a repeating theme. And uh, what does he find, Carrie? Tell him what he finds. He goes to the bathroom because, like, Allison's not in bed. So he goes to the bathroom to check on her and, like, all the candles are lit and, like, the shower door is pulled closed. And, guys, he opens that shower door, trigger warning, and Allison is in the tub, having slit her own wrists. Not her literal daughter standing in the bathroom doorway watching him find her. Oh, yeah. That look on her face. I forgot about that element of the plot. Pure trauma. Like, holy cow. Pure trauma. This brings me to my first mention of Dakota Fanning's precious little eyes. And the way she can stare, she's piercing through my soul. Pure trauma. Have a bit of a flash forward here, don't we? Yeah, because naturally the trauma lands Emily in a mental health facility for children under the care of Dr. Kate Carson. 
who is a colleague of David's, right? Or was he her mentor or something like that? I, I, I'm sure something academic is tying them together because D- David is also a clinical psychologist. Yeah, so he tells her that they're going to move upstate, give Emily a change of scenery. D- Dr. Carson says, listen, don't move this little girl to the country. <laughs> she needs consistency. We're going to move upstate, the country. Not exactly what I meant by starting over. What about Emily? This is a traumatic time for her. I think it's important she stays here and works through this. Oh, here she's flooded with memories. I need to expose her to a new environment, new things to do. She'd be losing another person she depends on. And David just thinks she needs an entirely new environment. I'm like, okay, doctor. Okay. I guess. You are her father. You get to make these decisions. So they move upstate. Yeah. Upstate New York is beautiful, by the way. I just wish you didn't have to go through the Adirondacks, Jersey, Connecticut, or NYC (laughs) to get there. Oh, no. I can't believe these people even exist. People who already live in one of the most expensive cities in the country, who have so much money they can just pick up and move for the sake of the child's mental health. What is it that Kate gives to her? What is it that Dr. Carson gives to her before they take off? It's a little music box. Oh, okay. It's like a jewelry box that when you open it, it has a little ballerina. It was a legitimate question for me because I knew that happened while I was typing, but then I didn't want to back it up because it's voodoo and voodoo's ass when you rewind it. <laughs> when you rewind on voodoo, it's just, you're asking for it. It's like, it's just going to keep loading and loading and loading. And it's like, I'm never going to get this movie finished. No, it's a little jewelry box that plays the Mockingbird lullaby. <laughs> Sorry, just your little mini rant I about just, voodoo. I, I, voodoo? Be better. <laughs> Be better. When I was your age, my mom gave me one just like that. Whenever I was feeling sad, I would open the lid, and all my sorrows went away. Do you like it? Give me a hug. Oh my goodness! And so, uh, Carrie, I can do without the la la lying. Oh no! This, in the background of the credit sequence, this theme—it's very Rosemary's Baby, suspiciously Rosemary's Baby. In fact, like it's not the same tune. But they're very similar in the way they're very haunting. They kind of make you wonder who else is in the room with you that you can't see. Those kind of vibes. It it, it reminds me of the theme from Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Where are they going there? Mm. Upstate New York. Oh, God. Uh, Maybe that's just, maybe, what if? No, (laughs) that's not intentional. When we visit, let's just take a night drive through (gasps) that part of New York. We'll roll down the windows and we'll see if we can... Hear the lala lying in the trees. to Woodland, New York, with a population of 2,000, and they have a great little kitty and a gorgeous new house. You saw the cat at the beginning of this movie? Yeah. You did? He's in the car. Okay, I didn't see him, and I was mad when he shows up way later, and and I was like, wait, they have a cat? Yeah, no, no, he's- I miss that. He's there, he's there. We meet Haskins and Hafferty, right? Yeah, Haskins is the realtor, and Hafferty is the sheriff. Why is he here? Welcome him to the neighborhood, I guess. Well, I know narratively why he's here, because as this narrative progresses, we're going to need a list of suspects. I know. And the narrative wants you to remember him from this time. He says they picked a nice spot and that, you know, 
population goes up during the summertime, mostly, you know, there are not a lot of people up here in the fall. This house is on a lake? Like, it is posh digs. When Emily wanders off while they're all talking about the property mm-hmm. and notices that very strange opening to the woods. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> not that. Don't go in there. What a threatening natural doorway. <laughs> Don't need any of that. Nothing is really phasing her anymore. Mm, she's dead behind the eyes. Yeah, she's just not really got anything else to give right now. Like, when he puts her to bed that first night in the house, mm-hmm. and he gives her a new diary, Oh yeah, you know, to write in, like, it's like when, she, when he says things to her, it's like she doesn't really hear them. Yeah. She almost seems like she's ignoring him. I love you more than anything else in the world, sweetheart. You know that. That's what mommy said. Hmm? Before she killed herself. Sweetheart, she meant what she said. And so do I. Oof. And also, for a psychologist, I feel like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, it's different when it's your own kid, man. When, when he, he's, his reactions to most things in this, he's not McReady. Yeah. Until it gets to that point and yeah. you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. I know, I know. And it's just, I understand that since he's a psychologist, he's probably trying to have very measured responses mm-hmm. to what she's saying but I just feel like it's not really coming through in the character like I don't believe he's a psychologist okay. you know like, I see what you're saying it's co- also odd to see Robert De Niro in these nurturing paternal roles he's, but, but well he's just such an awkward parent yeah as we go along here like he can't connect with this child this horrible thing has happened yeah to the both of them and it's created this like, we obviously didn't see a lot of their relationship before Allison took her own life, but... He is simultaneously having to go through this trauma himself and parent her. How do you do that? Oof. When he starts to unpack his office... Yeah? To get his at-home study set up... Yeah? You know, he's got himself that great new pair of uh, headphones to listen to his classic jazz. And this ledger that he will be writing about Emily in for the duration of the film. Yeah, and like, while he's doing that, Emily takes to the woods. Yeah, with her little doll Alex. Yeah, like the next day or whatever, and... She finds... Yeah, Carrie, first of all, what is she following into the woods? A butterfly. And where does the butterfly lead her, Carrie? To this little cave. Nope! <laughs> no, which there's a lot of that in upstate New York. Just these tiny little caves. And she doesn't go in, or at least we don't see her go in. It's giving you seek the warrior bathed in blood, the headless horseman. <laughs> From Sleepy yeah, Hollow. Yeah. <laughs> and later, David fetches her so they can go into town and run some errands. Yeah. And on the way out, they run into their new neighbor, Laura, on the front porch. She's got bread and preserves. She's the welcome wagon. She's Melissa Leo. Yes. <laughs> And she's very sweet. She's like, hey, you need anything? Stop on by. Me and my husband live next door. You know, it's going to be great. You're going to love it up here. And then Emily comes up behind her dad and she kind of fixates on her. It's a little weird. Oh, this is my daughter, Emily. Emily, say hello to Laura. She's our neighbor. Isn't she adorable? You going to say hi? Well, she gets a little shy around new faces. I understand. It's going to be a real treat having both of you here. 
when we're in town, we also meet Elizabeth. Yeah. Who is tending to her uh, niece, Amy. Yeah, she's basically the de facto nanny for her little niece. Elizabeth is freshly divorced and living with her sister and brother-in-law until she figures out her next move. And David seizes on this because... Amy, the niece, is about Emily's age. New friends to make. Yeah, we gotta get her some friends like Pronto. And this whole time they're getting chummy. Oh, Carrie, (laughs) you'd think, like, you'd think Emily would be put off Mm -hmm. at first, but she seems intrigued. It's one of the first things she seems intrigued about since she comes there. Yeah. You know? And I could see how that would be your interpretation of it. In my mind, it's like she's staring at them out the window, trying to bore holes in the back of her daddy's skull. Like, get in the car. Like, it's the first thing other than the wood she seems interested in. I I get what you're saying. Later that night, when David is tucking her into bed, Emily decides to tell him that she has a new friend already. So, what's his name? He told me to call him Charlie. Charlie? Oh, that's an interesting name. Charlie. When did you meet Charlie? Today. When we went to town? It was before that. Before that, huh? Is he here right now? I think he's sleeping. Uh, and like, that's the thing. David is keeping sane and confident via Kate back in New York. Yeah. Right? Because that's the thing. Like, he's a psychologist, right? Why can't he come to these conclusions? Why does he need Kate for everything? I don't know. I know it's to keep Kate in the story, but yeah. like. <laughs> and her behavior just kind of continues to get weirder. I have some bullet points here. You got some bullet points for me about her weird behavior? Yeah, when David takes the trash out after he tucks her in, he realizes that Emily's favorite doll is in the trash with her little face bashed in. And we're like, what's that about? Yeah, no, the way the way Kate Carson is like, well, she's just coping the best way she knows how. And I'm like, by killing her dolls? Yeah, and I'm like, and he's like, well, I sure as fuck don't think this is normal. Like, <laughs> And like the next day he tries to take her fishing and instead of using bait to like, bait the hook she takes delight in baiting a beetle yeah like a live bug yeah and like she's got that grin on her face when they're eating dinner that night and he's like well did you like fishing she's like that was okay (laughs) he's like well just okay how could we have done better would charlie have made it better and the way she just gets this big grin on her face what if charlie was there would he have made it better he's a lot of fun fun like how Unlike mommy. Um. <laughs> ooh, that that is creepy and cuts deep. Like when we go to sleep that night, we get another shot of this party in his sleep, and then again it's two o six a.m. and he gets up, and there's always the long shot down the hallway with the bathroom lights on. Yeah, with the door almost all the way closed, and he gets down to that bathroom. And the curtain is drawn around the tub, the shower curtain, and there are candles lit in there, and he draws back that curtain and scrawled on the wall in crayon, red crayon, it says, you let her die. It's very red rum. Ah! And like, Emily's there at the door, because she always is. Emily, why would you do this? I didn't do it. What do you mean you didn't do it? There's nobody here but us. It wasn't me. 
This is your writing. These are your crayons, honey. It's all right. Just tell me. You don't have to lie to me. Not lying. Okay, well, if you didn't do it, then who did? It was Charlie. His reaction to this, he's not McReady. Yeah. Like, this is a lot for a child to do. And I'm like, I, again, I'm sure he's trying to have a measured response to this. You know, and basically, you know, he has to tell Kate about it mm-hmm. because she's her doctor. Yeah. Like, you know, he has to respect that as well. And he's just like, listen, I know that there was going to be some acting out probably, but this is extra. This is a lot. She thinks I'm responsible for Allison's death. It's Charlie that holds you responsible. Use him, David. Use him to get through to her. He's the key. I, I have to go. I, I think I found her a real friend. Really? That's great. Call me if you need me, okay? Okay, bye. Bye. What Kate advises him to do is to use Charlie to get to her. Mm-hmm. To connect with her. Which, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get why she thinks that's a good course of action. She's not there. It's not. (laughs) You know, and just, you'll see. So, desperate to return her to normalcy, David invites Elizabeth and little Amy over so Amy and Emily can have a little play date. And boy, does this go wrong. (laughs) It does not take very long for it to go wrong either because Amy likes dolls too, right? Brings one of her faves over to play with, Penelope. Yep. And Penelope. Uh, Penelope. <laughs> and she's trying to be nice, gives Penelope to her to hold. Emily's not feeling it. Oh no, this is so sick. While Emily's got her back to Amy, she mutilates that doll's face, just like she did her own doll. You don't talk much, do you? You shouldn't be here. Why not? You could get hurt. the way Amy goes right out that front door. Oh, I know. I know. Supposedly she... not telling Elizabeth what just happened? Or David. She's probably terrified. And when David asks Emily about what she thought of Amy, she looks him dead in the eye and goes, I don't, I don't need, need any, any more friends. Ooh. Oh, no. Isolation. Oh, no. Let's all isolate and lose our minds. Remember Laura from next door? Laura from next door? Yeah. Laura from next door. Laura, Laura, Laura from next door. Stop. (laughs) She's Melissa Leo, Laura, Laura. She's married to Steve. She needs your help. (laughs) (laughs) One day as David is washing the dishes and looks out the window, he sees Emily consorting with this strange man who's just turned up in his yard. Consorting. (laughs) Like they're doing a deal. (laughs) I love he walks outside. Hello, strange man with my daughter randomly in my driveway. He's like, hi, I'm Steven. I'm Laura's husband. We live next door. And he's like, oh, the, yeah, the, 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 that's great. Just wanted to say hi. Nice to, nice to meet you, Steven. Figure, you know, we're going to be neighbors. You might as well be neighborly, right? <laughs> right. Uh, well, you're going to have to excuse us, Steven. We have a busy day ahead of us, honey. Come on. Emily. Let's go. The thing is, is that... Emily will not leave his side immediately. Emily also keeps smiling at him. And this so, man she supposedly just met. This is another... This is a pr- candidate for Charlie. Yeah. Oh, man. And we will get more on this later. But 
So in addition to Emily's strange behavior, David is also starting to notice weird things around the house, right? Yeah. Like knives are slowly but surely trying to hop out of the butcher's block. It's happening. It's happening. Physics are suspending. And like tea kettles are suddenly and too soon whistling. And, and Max Fleischer cartoons keep showing up on the television. And we're like, what is going on with that? Remember when he was putting her to bed? And yeah. And he tried to open the window, mm-hmm. but he couldn't. Yeah. And he comes up to her room. To tuck her in. And she is sitting on the bed. And it looks as though... There are two beds in that bedroom. I will be coming back to the two beds at the end. And she's sitting on the edge of her bed. And it looks like she could have been talking to somebody. Yeah. Sitting on that bed. What are you doing, sweetheart? Nothing. What's so funny? Is Charlie here? He just left. Where'd he go? The camera pans over to the wide open window in her room. The one he couldn't open before. And he goes, Did you open that? I thought you did. What? No, this was the point where Gavin was like, Oh, so this is a home invasion film. Yeah, no, it kind of cements for you there that this is more than just her. Uh huh. A little bit. Like, Yeah. Uh-uh. As a father, I'd never get another wink of sleep knowing that somebody crawled in and out of my kid's window. Carrie? Yeah? This game of hide-and-seek oh, ensues in the night between her and Charles. <laughs> Charles! I think. <laughs> and this is all, of course, again, while David is distracted doing jazzy righty office things. <laughs> and, guys, there's weirdly a setup down in the basement. Like, there's this closet in the hallway where the stairwell is. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she gets into it. She, well, she's playing hide-and-seek, right? She's looking for Charles. Oh, the creepy sing-song, Charlie. Charlie. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Don't go, don't go looking for Charles. She opens that coat closet to look in it, and there's a little door behind the coat. It goes down to a basement. And Carrie... She goes down into this basement, and of course, it's a basement with... Why is there always a hanging bicycle? <laughs> what, what? Always. This is where we keep it. I, it like... But Ross, there's also a bed down here. With a TV. Hmm. There's a whole little setup down here for somebody. Somebody's living in the basement. I... She doesn't realize that. Um... Uh-huh. And then that light bulb goes out. And she screams bloody murder because she's afraid of the dark. And he has to, you know, find the basement, too. And uh, she's just, like, there in the corner with the boiler, losing her mind. What happened? Why are you down here? Emily, talk to me. He was hiding. Who was hiding? This is where we get some quick background on Steve and Laura, next Dora, Explora, or whatever the joke you made was. Laura comes over. I'm sorry. This is about to get sad. Laura comes over and apologizes for her husband acting weird in their yard yesterday. And the reason he was acting weird is because they recently lost a daughter Emily's age. To the cancer. To cancer. So add that to the growing list of reasons they might be obsessed with her. (laughs) Sorry. Is that the anxious engine? 
<laughs> Stephen, are you Charles? The next thing I have in all capital letters is not the awkward family dinner date with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's got to come over for dinner, right? They're cooking together. Yeah, and Emily decides to take this opportunity to dress in her mother's clothing uh, for the dinner. She's going through a hat box that says mommy's things. <laughs> and she puts her dead mother's clothes on for dinner. And, like, she comes down the stairs for dinner, and David's like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you should go change. And Elizabeth's like, it's fine. It's fine. You look beautiful, sweetie. Because Emily is trying to freak Elizabeth out to the point that she'll just leave, like, the way over dinner. No, no. She makes it as awkward as possible. Emily does. Emily mentions her mother's death. She's like, did daddy tell you that my mommy died? Yes, he did. And I'm very sorry. Did he tell you how she died? Honey... I don't think Elizabeth really wants to hear how that happened, okay? She killed herself in our bathtub. Emily? Slit her wrist with a razor. Emily. Emily's like, yeah, no, she totally slit her wrist in the bathtub. And, and like... Poor Elizabeth. Elizabeth's like, fascinating, I got you some books! And, like... Hands her this stack of books. Carrie. No. Did you notice the book that was on top? What was it? Charlotte's Web. That's hilarious. Which would come out the year after this. And this is some pig. Yeah, because she, the way, without breaking eye contact with Elizabeth, she just starts pushing those books one by one onto the floor. Eat shit. Like, (laughs) and like, David's like, all right, you're going to act like this. You're going to go to your room. Emily, stop it. That's enough. Do you like her, Daddy? Stop this. Charlie says you do. Go to your room. He says you like her as much as Mommy. To your room. If you're going to behave this way, go to your room. Let's hope you don't wind up like her. What? 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 Emily, what does that mean? It's like you kind of get this feeling that she's blaming David for her mother's death the whole time. Yeah. Or at least that's why she's acting out. Like, And like Elizabeth is now trying to take mommy's place. So David puts Elizabeth back in her car. She goes home. Again, in his sleep, we get party flashes. If we get, it gets a little greater every time he sleeps. At 2.06 a.m., every time he wakes up, every morning at 2.06 a.m. Carrie? Yeah. Carrie? Another trigger warning. Carrie! Lights are on in the bathroom again. He goes down that hallway. And he goes into the bathroom. And the tub is full of bloody water. And over the bathtub it says, Now look what you've done. With an arrow. Pointing down into the bloody bathwater. And guys, this is awful. This is just truly grotesque. He reaches under the surface of the water. And finds the corpse of their cat. Charlie did it. You do believe me, don't you, Daddy? Why are you looking at me like that? When he flings open the door to her bedroom, and she's sitting there waiting to be confronted. Yeah. And she's like, Charlie did it. The look in her eyes, she's so scared. And he's fucked up. You believe me, don't you, Daddy? He's finally McReady. Oh, my God. And he doesn't know what to do. As he's trying to figure out what to do about the cat, Realtor Haskins is outside trying to slip something under their doorway. In the middle of the night. It's already two in the morning. Yeah. Those are the keys for the uh, different rooms in the house. I forgot to give them to you earlier. I apologize. 
It's a little late to be delivering keys, isn't it? Wow, I thought I could slip them under the door. Wife and I are going to Canada first thing in the morning. We've got a little cabin tucked away in the woods. Good place to clear the mind. Haskins, what are you doing out here? Seems like kind of a... Seems kind of late to be delivering keys. Yeah, so now I'm suspicious of Haskins again. Like, what are you doing here in the middle of the night, man? So the next morning over pancakes... (laughs) We have to use Charlie now to get to Emily, right? We have to do what Kate said. He doesn't know why Charlie would want to kill the nameless cat. Honey... You know this has nothing to do with Charlie. You do know that. It's about you, honey. And that's okay. Charlie doesn't exist. You shouldn't say that. Why not? You're gonna make him mad. And she takes him into her bedroom to show him all the crayon drawings she's made of Charlie, especially ones that feature Charlie and Mommy holding hands. He is just like the shadowy figure in her depictions, right? Like mm-hmm. this staticky, shadowy entity. She says Charlie says Mommy would have liked him. And and Dad's like, uh, what? No, I don't think Mommy would have liked <laughs> Charlie, Emily. And she says, plain as day. That's not what he says. What does Charlie say? Talk to me. What does he say? He says he would have satisfied her. Who told you to say that? Charlie did? No. Who told you that? Charlie did. There is no Charlie. Who said it? Charlie did! He did not. Who said it? Charlie! 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 Oh, I've got goosies again! Um, that is so much! It's time for Dr. Carson to pay a visit to upstate New York. I have, so now it's time to call in the big guns. David calls Dr. Kate for a visit, and when she arrives, Ross, this is the happiest I've seen Emily the whole movie. Emily's alive again. She's like a normal kid when she shows up. And, like, they are having an informal therapy session in her bedroom, and... (laughs) Do you like it here? (laughs) I'm having a lot of fun, she says, and I'm like, what is wrong with this little girl?! And, like, the most significant thing about this conversation is that Emily tells Kate that Charlie not only talks about other people in their lives, but about her, too. And what does he say? You can tell me. He's afraid you're going to get in the way. In In the way of what? Our game. What game is that? Upsetting Daddy. Kate's like, hey. David, she's not well. Yeah, I need to take her back to New York City with me so that she can be evaluated. And you guessed it, David's not listening. Why is he resisting this? He's a clinical psychologist. Well, I think another psychologist might tell you. She killed a cat! I understand. I think another psychiatrist might tell you that he believes that he can help her because he's the psychologist, even though it would be wildly unethical in the first place for her to be his patient. He can't make objective decisions about her mental health care. It's why Bartlett takes the 25th yes sorry yes i hated to relate it back to the west wing i didn't hate it but like you know what i'm saying and like he says okay fine if she is not better in two weeks i'll bring her back 14 days is a lot of time david and guess what guys she gets worse a couple of more bullet points here 
She throws away all of her old dolls. They just vanish from her bedroom. And the journal that dad gave her? Talk about it. Oh. Speak on it. He pulls it out of the drawer and he opens it up and discovers she's not been writing in it. She's been doodling pictures. It's a flip book of someone stabbing themselves to death in the tub. Presumably her mother. Yeah. She's all of a sudden not afraid of the dark. Daddy. Yes, sweetheart. Can you close the door? You don't want the light? I don't need it anymore. She feels safe in the dark now. Like, she... she. So that night, David spies on the neighbors through his telescope. Talk about clinical. Uh Uh-huh. And it it looks like we can't hear anything that's going on, obviously. But through the window, it looks like Laura and Steven are having this argument where she's yelling at him about going over there. Laura is screaming at him and gesturing towards their house and like is like, uh-oh. Does she know? Oh. Does she know that someone's being a creep over there? Mm. Is it her husband? Is her husband Charles? <laughs> the way you keep referring to him is Charles. Char- I'm going to refer to him by his government name because he needs to be dealt with. So the next day, David visits their house for recon Oh, and they have all of her, their daughter's old toys all over the place because they don't know what to do with them. And, like, he goes over to the mantle where all the pictures are. Uh-huh. Ross, it's Dakota Fanning in a skull cap to make her look like she's undergone chemotherapy. Is it really? Did you not get a good look I at the picture? I didn't. Ross, she looks exactly like their little girl. Oh, no. That's why... That's a huge... That's... I didn't notice. Yeah. But that's a good... That's a good, you know what I'm saying. That's a good detail. That's a good detail. That's why when Laura set eyes on her for the first time, she was transfixed. Imagine seeing your dead child walk out of the shadows. And and she just, you know, Laura, 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 from next Dora, breaks down. (laughs) No, this is horrible. I I understand what, I don't understand what she's going through, but I understand that this is the worst thing that can happen to a person, losing their child. Yeah. No parent should have to bury their child. Exactly. He's been having a tough time this past couple of weeks. You have no idea how painful it can be. How painful he can make it. I'm sorry. I've already said too much. Please, I can... Listen to me. Please, I can help you. No, he'll be back any moment. Just talk to me. I can help you. Laura, what does that mean? And that translates to David, I need to help you. You need to let me give you some help. Mm. And she's like, no, no, you need to leave. <laughs> you need to leave now because he's going to be home any second. And <gasps> and he's like, why are you afraid? Like, what, 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 what's going on? And she's like, please leave. Bye. So Elizabeth comes over with flowers that afternoon to basically apologize to uh, Emily about the other night. In the middle of a hailstorm. Yeah. And David doesn't hear her knock because he's got the headphones on. So she goes wandering through the house looking for signs of life and goes up to Emily's room. And Emily is sitting on the bed. One of the two beds, again, in her room. I have Elizabeth, you in danger, girl. Yeah, no. And she just goes, I want you to know that I'm not trying to come between you and your dad. Do you think maybe we could start over? Could be friends. Do you like games? I love games. Would you like to play one? I'm already playing. 
and we can see all these point of view shots from inside Emily's closet. What game are you playing? Don't you need another person to play that game? He's hiding. Who's hiding? Charlie. And she looks over at that closet, and Elizabeth, wanting so badly to be liked that it's about to land her in a world of hurt, decides to play along. She throws open that closet door. Charlie, unseen by us, comes popping out of that closet and pushes Elizabeth out Emily's bedroom window. Charlie, come out, come out, wherever you are. And then, of course, David wakes up from light jazz. He's heard none of this. He goes wandering through the house looking for signs of life, and this is where he notices that all of the photographs of him in the house have had his face torn out of them. Uh Uh-oh. Just leaving Emily and Mommy. Oh, dear. In the photos. And he goes upstairs and finds her drawing a picture of Elizabeth being pushed out the window. With a broken window. He looks out the window. There's debris from the window on the driveway, but no Elizabeth. There's no body. And uh, Emily will not answer him when he asks her questions. And then, guess who's here? Sheriff Hafferty. If this is a great time for the sheriff to show up. He found her car crashed that, like down the road or something. Uh-huh. So she obviously came up the hill and down because of the tire marks or whatever. David doesn't know Diddley. Just, and just says that it's been him and Emily here all day. And he's like, why don't you ask your daughter in front of me? She's especially pale. And he's like, did you see Elizabeth today? And just the fear yeah. in her eyes and she her pursed lips and just shakes her head ever so slightly. If I stepped away for a minute, you sure there's nothing you'd want to tell your daddy? I'm sure. Good girl. You can go on up to your room and play. And Hafferty's like, all right, y'all have a good night now. Yeah, he leaves without incident. And David immediately runs back up the stairs. And she is on the landing, breaking down. She's sobbing. sobbing. Uh, Oh, that poor little girl. She holds up that toy clock that says 2.06 a.m. Yeah. And guys, cue the bathroom. On the shower curtain, it says, can you see now? And he throws back that shower curtain. And Elizabeth's body is in the bathtub. What did you do? I didn't do anything. Who did it? Who did it then? Don't say Shirley! I'm telling you! What is going on? Charlie. Who is Charlie? Where is he? Just please help me understand what's happening here. I can't. can't. Help me! Yeah. Oh. Oh, man. I just, I, I, and when he literally locks her in her room, because now she's a murderer. Yeah. To him, right? Things have escalated so far. Yeah. That she is... I know. All the signs were there for him, and he didn't take them seriously. She was fucking up dolls. She was fucking with that kid. And she killed a cat. Yeah. And now she's killed somebody. Yeah. And now he really doesn't know what to do. He locks her in her room, and the way she's banging on that door going, you can't stop him, Daddy. Oh, Carrie. I know. She tries to pick that lock, and before she can get it successfully picked, cha-chunk. 
the lock opens on its own, and the door swings open, and those keys from Haskin are in the lock. And she immediately dials Kate's phone number, and she goes, Kate? Girl! Yeah, I know. Hello? I don't want to play with Charlie anymore. Emily, where's your father? Daddy can't save me now. Emily? Emily, sweetie, are you there? Meanwhile, David is readying himself to go clean up Elizabeth's remains. That's the thing. David gets his big yellow raincoat on, right? Gets all the trash bags, goes to the bathroom, flings back that shower curtain. Elizabeth's body is not there anymore. (laughs) And he turns to Emily. And as if to go, what did you do with the body? But he, but he's like, she, there's no way she she's could. ten. She can't have removed that body by herself without me knowing. She was locked in the room. Exactly. What? That's when he's like, oh god, <laughs> oh god, there's somebody here. She goes, he just left. Yeah. And he grabs a huge flashlight and goes out into the yard. Where is he? And all at once, there's Stephen in the yard, demanding to see Emily. Yeah, and the way. Oh my god, David's eyes. It's you. Yeah. It's you. Yeah, what are you doing here? I heard some noises. I saw you come out of the woods with a shovel. Are they all right? No. Are they all right? You stay away. I want to see her. Stay away. I'm going to call the cops. I want to see her now. You sick fuck. I I stay away. Cuts him with a knife and barely gets inside away from Stephen. And like Stephen's lurking at the windows, trying to get into the house. And David's telling Emily, don't worry, Charlie's gone. He's not going to hurt He'll us anymore. come back. I know he will. And like he's embracing her. It's okay, sweetheart. Charlie's gone. He'll go back. No. I know he will. No, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Charlie, Daddy. Oh, please don't make me see Charlie. I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. I'm so sorry, honey. Don't blame me again. Please don't blame me again, not again. And over her shoulder, he sees the door to his office swinging open. Slightly. Oh, Carrie. Here it comes. We go into the office, and guys, they've been here a month. The office isn't set up at all. Even though we've seen him sitting at the desk, writing in that ledger, listening to those headphones. He starts opening boxes. He opens the headphones for the first time. Yeah. He opens that book for the first time he got to write in. And it's blank. We start to realize... It's been David the whole time. He's got one of them split personalities, baby. DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Is Charlie here right now? I think he's sleeping. David was the one she saw coming out of the cave that day when he first introduced himself to her as Charlie. David pushed Elizabeth out the window. Yeah. As Charles. As Charles. Yes. This is also why he's been losing time, why tea kettles have been overboiling, and knives are out of place. And notice, every time David loses time, he's in that office. Yeah. Writing in that book, listening to light jazz. And listen, I don't know if this was intentional or not, 
Because if it was, it's kind of a in poor taste joke. But did you notice the name of the moving company on those boxes? What is it? The padded wagon. You know, like the padded room. Okay. <laughs> and then we start to see all the flashes from the New Year's Eve party he's been having nightmares of. Oh, we get the full story. Because Allison leaves the party and goes up in an elevator somewhere. And he follows her and sees that Allison is making whoopee with another man in the stairwell. She's having an affair. It was that guy that was standing up and toasting. He killed her. He killed her for this. And then completely dissociated, completely forgot that he did it, and developed this other personality. He's also the one who's been making all the creepy messages on the wall. The look on De Niro's face as he's having the big realization looking out the window in his office and then Dakota fanning in the doorway. Can you see now, Daddy? Daddy's gone now. He's not Daddy anymore. He's Charlie. His whole affect turns over. This movie was a revelation to me. This movie is the one that ruined all surprise twists for me for here on out. Because if you watch it closely on the second watch through, there's plenty of clues. But on a first watch through, you really do think there's something wrong with this little girl. Yeah, or that it's one of the many men that we've been introduced to. Like, this was the first time in 70 years that the distributor shipped prints of this movie without the final reel in it so that nobody could spoil it ahead of time, and then it got mailed after the fact. Now, because Steven got shut out of the house, who did Steven immediately go to? (laughs) The cops. Sheriff Hafferty shows back up, alone. Yeah. And, like, listen, I'm glad that the sheriff... Has the keys? How does he have the Why keys? does law enforcement have the keys to this man's house? He just lets himself in, too. And, Carrie, he starts looking around this house with a flashlight. The phone line's been cut. No one's answering when he calls their names. He goes up to the bedroom and finds Emily hurriedly drawing, because this is how she copes. And he's like... Neighbor called. Said there was a problem. Everything all right? drawn there you die and then she disappears all the lights go out and she disappears and so he's going through the dark house with a flashlight the Marco Polo is not welcomed oh my god Marco. hello From somewhere in the house, David Uh, is playing another game. We talked about this when we talked about Insidious. Uh, There's something in the house, and you don't know where it is, and I don't know how it got in. The sheriff manages to get the power back on by tripping the fuse box in the coat closet where Emily found the entrance to that cellar. But when he shuts the door back, David is there with an axe. And bashes his face in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, she, when Emily comes down the stairs and she can see the sheriff's body being dragged into the closet. <laughs> you sound like you've got that TikTok voice filter on. And the thing is, she goes up to that door. It's barely cracked. 
And she knows that he's down there in the basement with him. And she wants to lock him in. She tries to go get like a wooden spoon to put in like the net, the, the, the latch, the latch on that door. And when she comes running back from the kitchen into the hallway, he's sitting there on that little bench waiting for her. Oh, it's so, it's so nopey. I can't help but sense a certain tension between us. What's the matter? Don't you want to play anymore? Don't you want to have fun? Hmm? You want your daddy back? Is that it? How terrifying. This is your father. Yeah. But it's not your father. And that is what, this is what I'm saying about this movie. It's good for two watches. It's good for the first time through when you don't know the twist. And then it's good for the second watch through. Watching what this little girl has to endure basically. The whole time. On her own. The whole time. And But here's the other thing though. There are a couple of things apart from him that I want you to remember. Oh no, we will so talk about it at the end. And We will so talk about it at the end. You like him more than me, don't you? Oh, oh, liar. Liar, liar. You're a big fat liar. You killed mommy. And just the way he just kind of goes dead behind the eyes when she says that. <gasps> and then he goes, one, one thousand. <gasps> Two, one thousand. And he's covering his eyes. With the bloody hands and the knife. Signaling to her that it's time to hide. And guys, it must have been an hour since she called Kate because she is rolling up in her little car. Let's add to the body count. She's investigating the house. And she finds the bloody shovel by the cellar door going down the stairs. And she's like going down the stairs a little bit, calling out for both of them. And then David appears behind her. (gasps) Oh, God, David, you scared me. David? And he just shakes his head. Oh, God! Not me. Oh, uh, Charles. Aww. And when she's in the basement, she encounters a fucked up yet still alive Sheriff Hafferty. She takes the gun out of his belt. Yeah. It's not like he can use it anymore. Nah, he's a little busy bleeding to death. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, David slash Charlie is searching the second level for Emily. And she just kind of dodges past him and manages to grab the keys out of her doorway and lock herself in there. And she's forced to go out the open second-story window yeah. to get away from him. She goes straight into the woods, and she finds that cave. Mm, this will be a great place to hide. Nope. <laughs> nope. Kate manages to get out of the basement. Yeah, no, she broke through the wooden spoon oh, Okay. that she was going to use to latch the door when Charlie was in there. She hears David calling for her in the woods and basically follows them out there with the gun. Great. And David goes into the cave. With the flashlight. What's in the cave floating around on a piece of driftwood, Carrie? It's not only her music box, but also all of the missing dolls. Kate follows. 
follows the sound of the music box to the cave, and she's pointing the gun at, at David. She's like, David? And he seems lucid. That's the disturbing part. Yeah, he's like, listen, everything just got caught out of hand. And like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure it did, David. I mean, Emily's not the person who's not well. It's me. You said it. Trauma causes pain, and you were right. We're gonna get you some help, okay? I'm sorry. But then he turns back over, shuts the flashlight off, and knocks that gun out of her hand, and then tries to choke her out in the 15 inches of water they're standing in. Mm. And this is where Emily has to appeal to Daddy. Yeah, she comes out of her hiding place to say, please don't. There you are. Don't. What? Don't hurt her. Why? She's my friend. I thought I was your friend. He then starts slowly advancing on her while he's intermittently turning that flashlight on and off, on and off. Horrifying. It is horrifying. He's going to kill her. Yeah. But then the last time he turns that light on, it's Kate with the gun. And just like that, Emily watches her only remaining parent die in front of her. It's incredibly disturbing. Yeah. To watch his body float around with this music box playing in the background. Oh, Lord. And having to watch this little girl... Then hug the person who just had to murder her father in front of her. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. For one child to handle. Mm Mm-hmm. And, oh. I think you should take us through the end here. So. Or the first of five. So they wrote, like, five different endings for this, right? Yeah. And there's basically three main scenarios here to entertain as an ending. With just some different, you know, settings. The first ending they were going to go with is kind of a new life for Emily. A bit farther in the future, she lives with Dr. Carson now. Dr. Carson is her guardian. And, you know, it's just kind of a normal morning. She's drawing more pleasant pictures. Of her and Kate holding hands. Yeah, and, you know, finishes breakfast, it's time to go to school, right? And it just kind of centers in on that drawing at the end. And it's just of her and Kate. Yeah. Very nice. Like, oh, things are better now. Yeah, that's the most positive ending. That's the Paragon ending. That is not the ending that gets used. Nope. There is another ending that doesn't get used. And it is basically, we see, again, we see Emily in a much better surrounding, much more comfortable surrounding. Dr. Carson is there with her again. And you almost think that, yeah, she's living with her now. But when she tucks her in for bed, and it's almost the exact same as the opening scene between her em- and mom, Emily and Allison. Oh, no. But then when she goes to close the door, she doesn't crack it because there's a nice big window in it. 
Oh, dear. Because Emily is in an institution. Yeah. For children. Oh, dear. Yes. The ending that gets used, which is honestly, I think, how they should have gone, and I'm glad they did, is that Emily in a new life, drawing better pictures in a better house and better surroundings as Dr. Carson's... Charge. New charge. And, you know, Dr. Carson comes downstairs, it's time for school, finish breakfast, time to go. And she's like, I'm ready. And they go out the door just like they do in that first ending I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But when it pans back to the drawing, it's not just her and Kate in the drawing. It's Kate. It's Emily. They're holding hands. Emily has drawn a second head on herself. Which is, I think they want us to believe a suggestion that she also now has DID. There are things separate from David in this movie. I feel like, I feel that it's more teamwork there at the beginning. Yeah, she's terrified of him by the end of it. Carrie, she vandalized that doll on her own. I understand. I'm about to agree with you, actually. I sounded shitty because you're literally beating me to my brilliant conclusion, but continue. It's okay. Okay, go on. No, 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 because I think that people wonder at the end of this movie, depending on what the ending they've seen, was it dad the whole time or was it her? However, I'm kind of with you. What if it was both? Because it's not just the things that Emily does that may lead you to believe that. The detail about this, watching it this time, that bothered me to no end is the two beds. Exactly. There is no reason why a busy single father would bother to set up a second twin in his only daughter's bedroom. So what I'm wondering is, what if they both became so traumatized by mom's death that they both split at that point? And what if we have a fully ado thing going on here where their alternate personalities are feeding off each other. So why else would he set up another bed? She really likes Charlie until she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She doesn't act that way until well into the... Like, she doesn't act like she hates Charlie until Elizabeth is murdered. Yeah, because Elizabeth was almost a friend to her. She was another adult that could have helped her out of this situation. I'm shaking my head in fear. Like, I'm like, I feel like something is wrong with her. I don't want to sound insensitive by saying there's something wrong with you if you have DID, but there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it's it's not all good in the neighborhood. That's why I hate my rising Gemini. Oh, it's really? It's my least favorite part of my astrological placements. <laughs> I promise I'm just one person. <laughs> I'm not two people. <laughs> I think the film is artfully done. I am genuinely intrigued and spooked by it. It is a little Shyamalan silly, but like... I'm, it, I'm telling you, the, I hadn't the, the seen twi- that. The, the twist gets you better than any Shyamalan could. You I know? hadn't seen anything like that before in movies at the time I saw that. Like, I mean, I'd seen the Sixth Sense. Like, I'd seen the bum 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 thing at the end. But I like, think, yeah, the, I think the most interesting part is that second viewing. Yeah, is where you get to go back and see all the ways in which, yeah, this totally does make sense. The, like the fear acting in Dakota Fanning's big eyes. It's it's wrenching that second time through. And if anyone knows how to be creepy, oh, it's Robert De Niro. <laughs> it is Robert De Niro. Oh my God! Talking to me? You talking to me? Him in the the mirror. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Do you see now, Daddy? Oh, we see. Oh, we see. I promise, we see. <laughs> Thank you.
Oh, guys. Oh, guys. Oh, man. We're about to be not only in our wheelhouse, uh-huh. but in our cockpit. Uh-huh. We're going to be at our altar. Uh-huh. We're going to be at the wheel. <laughs> okay. Because, guys, we're doing a musical. <laughs> we are. We're doing a spooky, complicated musical. No, go ahead. Guess. <laughs> it's not like we haven't been hinting at it all year. Folks, next week, we are going to be breaking down a bang classic. Tim Burton's 2007 film adaptation of Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd, The, the Demon, Demon Bobber of Fleet Street. Street. Ah! I'm so excited. It's going to be a lot next week. We're going to have to rest our voices this oh, week. Oh, I know. And oh, but Sondheim. I know. What a privilege to discuss Sondheim. Wait, what'd you rush? What'd you hurry? You gave me <laughs> such a fun. I thought you was a ghost. Have a minute. Can't you sit? Sit you down. Sit. The way my brother can derail an entire recording with Sondheim. I, uh, I mean, <laughs> did you come in for a pie, sir? <laughs> Look out for that next week, guys. I like the stage version better. Anyway, look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Don't pay for it. You can write us at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, Sweeney. <laughs> don't pay for bird app. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm pleasantly terrified. <laughs> And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.